Our name and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Good morning. Alright, so today we actually read the very next chapter of what we read last week. So we read Luke 9, and so today we read Luke 10, which is the account of the uh, 72 disciples or the apostles that are chosen and sent out into, um, uh, into the service. And so I want to talk to you about this journey that uh, any servant would take as he's called and uh, sent out to serve and to minister to others. Um, I want to take a look at this journey that the 72 apostles took at the beginning of this passage and how it comes to a close. So the way I like to look at um, this specific event is that it's sort of wrapped up in humility. It's a... It's a journey of service, of course, because he calls them and he says, uh, you know, don't take anything with you, but just go uh, heal the sick and cast out demons, preach to to others the kingdom of God. And so he sends out um, to serve. But if you take a closer look a little more deeply into um, what this uh, passage is really all about, you'll see that it starts out with humility and it also ends with humility. And so... It's, it's this sort of service sandwich, so I'm going like, to give you a little diagram. So I like to look at it like a service sandwich of humility. So it begins with humility, and it ends with humility. All right, so that's, that's the best way that I could try to visualize it. It's, it's a mission of service, but it begins with humility, and it ends with humility. Okay, so... Let's recap what actually happens in this passage, and then I'll explain to you where I'm getting these ideas from. So, in the beginning, it starts out where he says, don't take anything with you, right? Don't take any money, don't take any food, you know, just go out, totally empty, and wherever you go to serve, um, make sure to just eat the food that they give you, and if uh, they don't accept your word, just dust off the, you know, your sandals, and then keep going. And so they go and they serve and then they come back and they're joyful, they're excited, they're happy because the demons were subject to them in his name, right? So they come back celebrating. And so if you look closer into the way this passage starts and the way this passage ends, you'll see that we could learn a profound lesson of humility so that in our service we can also start out on a humble step and finish on a humble step. Okay? So, service begins and ends in humility. And in this case, we said that the humility at the start is marked by faith. And the humility at the end is marked by joy. Okay? The first step that they took, that sort of humility is revealed by, by faith. You know, what, what really speaks for their humility at the beginning of the service is their faith. And what really speaks to humility at the end, at the close of this journey, is their joy. Okay, so we'll break down the beginning and the end. We'll kind of look at those two buns that I mentioned in that little diagram. The first bun, that little piece of bread at the top and how everything starts and that sort of humility that initiates the service is the sort of humility that's marked by faith. Alright, so the best way I could think of explaining this is to just think of what the humble man 
always keeps in mind. And so, the humble man admits that he has nothing. And so he knows his need to depend on God. The humble man admits he has nothing. He says, you know, I'm, I'm totally empty. Um, any strength that I have isn't mine. Any knowledge I have isn't mine. Any wisdom that I have isn't mine. Um, I'm, I'm no one, right? And so when he comes to admit his own nothingness, he's left with no resort but to depend on God. If I, if I am poor, I have to depend on others to provide for my money. If I'm hungry and I say I have no food, I have to depend on others to feed me. The humble man says, I have nothing at all. And so he learns to depend on God. He's forced to depend on God. It's, it's mandatory. So that's the expression of his faith because when he begins on a humble step, he says, I have nothing and so only God is going to provide for my needs. And that's what Christ is teaching any servant. And, and by the way, this isn't just a message for the Sunday school teachers, but this is the message for any Christian because if you're going to walk in the footsteps of Christ, you're going to walk in the footsteps of service. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, to serve. And so if you're going to follow in the footsteps of the Son of Man, you're a servant. Okay, so this message is for all of us, not just for the priests or the deacons or the Sunday school teachers, but for any Christian. And so if you're going to serve, you're going to be sent out on a humble step. Okay? If you remember um, the fraction that we always pray throughout this uh, very last period of the Apostles' Fast, there's, there's a beautiful line in the middle of this fraction that says, You have chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And you have chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. You have chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And you have chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Why? It's because the foolish are the ones that admit they have no wisdom of their own. And they don't approach service pretending to know it all, pretending they have it all figured out, pretending that they're going to make things happen on their own terms. Also, the weak approach the service, admitting, they got nothing. I have no strength. I'm going to depend on you. I have no energy, Lord. I have no time. I admit that I'm limited. That's that sort of humble mindset that a servant takes. And when God sees a servant admitting his own nothingness, and really, really, really depending on God, then he's protected from that pride as he takes that initial step of service. And that's why God looks for the foolish. He looks for the weak. He looks for the ones who don't depend on their self. And so when he called the 72 to go serve, he said, don't take anything with you. Why? Is that because he just doesn't want them to plan? He wants them to just walk about foolishly? No, of course not. But he wants them to learn that if you're going to be a real servant, if you're going to be effective, it's going to be through my provisions. It's going to be through what I provide you, what I give you, the way I support you. It's not by your own capabilities. Okay? I want to bring your attention to a story we all know. It's the story of David. You think about how... David's um, popularity grew 
it was this moment when he defeated Goliath. And if you remember the type of person David was, he was scrawny. I mean, he's like as little as it gets. I mean, they tried to put the armor on him whenever he volunteered to go fight Goliath. And he couldn't even walk with the armor because it was so big and heavy. Like, he was such, such a little kid that imagine like an armor that's like five sizes too big and you can't even take a step with it. So, that's how little he was. And they see that this kid is foolish, trying to go up against a monster, right? I mean, Goliath had a reputation for slaying anyone that would cross his path. But God chose who? David. This weak, foolish, simple, little man. Why? Because David didn't depend on his own wisdom, didn't depend on his own strength. He said, God, I got nothing, but you can give me the victory. And so he, let, he set aside the, the, the sort of earthly protection, which is this armor, and he just picked up a couple of stones, which, you know, practically speaking, is a little foolish to think you're going to defeat this giant with a couple of stones. But he takes those five and then he takes them down, right? And so, if you look at what we've been celebrating these past few weeks, the Feast of the Apostles, we, we focus on St. Peter and Paul, right? St. Peter was a fisherman. He didn't know much. St. Paul was a persecutor, right? These weren't people that you would expect to be great servants. And so if you think that you have to meet a certain sort of criteria, a certain sort of qualification to serve, you're fooling yourself. God doesn't need anything from you. What He needs is, to, is for you to admit that you can't offer Him anything. And once you do, then He'll equip you with all you need. But if you're going to approach a service and say, okay God, I got this. I have, you know... X, Y, and Z, look at my resume, I can be a great servant. God's going to tell you, okay, you go for it. Let's see where X, Y, and Z take you. But when you come and you say, God, I want to follow in the footsteps of David, this crony little boy that didn't have anything, but just had a heart that was after your heart and really wanted to serve you. And when you approach service with that sort of humility, it is revealed in your faith. It looks like faith. St. Perfrio says, simplicity is holy humility. You know, the simple man, the, the, the one that doesn't have a lot of luxuries, that's holy humil humility. It's to have nothing. He says, that is absolute trust in Christ. Holy humility, that is absolute trust in Christ. When we give our whole life to Christ. And so, I hope you're starting to make the connection between humility and faith. Because when you say to God, I have nothing, you really learn to depend on Him. And this isn't just the sort of mindset we have to have in a Sunday school class. This is the sort of mindset that we have to have in our relationships at home, in our relationships at work, in everything that, that we try to accomplish, every task at hand. Regardless of how small and easy it may be, remember Christ said, without me you can do nothing. He didn't say, you can do the little things without me, but the big things you really need me. No, you can't do anything, even the little things. Without me, you can do nothing. Okay? 
A brother questioned Abu Piman and asked, what is faith? And the old man said, faith is to live humbly and to give alms. Faith is to live humbly and to give alms. Because the man who lives by faith says, I don't need any more than my necessities. The humble man just gives because he knows God will provide. And so a servant gives, he continues to sacrifice. And the expression of the humility again is that faith that continues and continues and continues to give. Alright, so that's the first bun, right? We talked about that sort of humility that we start the ministry with. The second bun where we try to, we try to conclude the service with humility is the humility that is marked by joy. Alright? If you remember, the apostles came back and they were celebrating. They were excited. The demons are subject to us by your name. Now what's the first thing he says? Like, I saw Satan fall down like lightning from heaven. He's like raining on their parade. Like they're coming, they're exciting. Like, alright, what a buzzkill. Like we're trying to tell you how cool this was, that we just were casting out demons. You're talking to us about Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Like what's up man? But he's drawing their attention to a very, very, very dangerous position. And that's that sort of joy that stems from your own achievements. That's the sort of celebration that's produced by your, your own strength or wisdom. What does that sound like? Pride. When you're celebrating because of what you've done, that's exactly what pride is. Kind of tooting your own horn. They came back and look, look what we can do. So they're tooting their own horn. What does God tell them? Look, if you're going to be prideful, if you're going to toot your own horn, if you're going to uh, pretend like you're up here, look what happened to Lucifer. I saw the highest of all fall like lightning from heaven. So he automatically checks their joy. He checks their celebration. He tells them, don't celebrate in reaching that sort of level. Don't celebrate because you can cast out demons. Look at Satan, who was the highest of all the heavenly creatures. He fell because of that pride. So if you're going to walk back out of a service or any achievement that you've done, and think good about yourself, feel good about yourself, then you accredit your achievements to your own strengths, to your own self. And that's where the ego becomes puffed up. So he automatically directs their attention to humility because he sees that they're walking a very risky path whenever they're tooting their own horn. And so whenever we have a real sense of humility, joy will proceed not from our own achievements, but in our service. Joy will proceed from glorifying God. If we're joyful in what we've done, that, that's a false sort of joy. If we're joyful because of our own achievements, then our joy comes from our pride. And that's, that's a facade. That's what the world typically does. It rejoices in achievements. And everybody is parading their own accomplishments. That sort of joy is a facade. It doesn't last. But humility produces true joy. 
Father Matthew the poor says, if the source of the giving is genuinely divine, if the source of the service is, is pure, is genuinely divine, then we will, in, it will inevitably see the servant's sincere joy caused by the increase and growth of others. Whenever we, we truly give out of humility and out of purity, then the source of our joy comes whenever we see others benefiting. Right? The disciples walked back saying, look what we've done. They didn't walk back saying, look how many people benefited. Right? Their joy was in their own accomplishments, not in the benefit of the service. It's good to have that joy. It's good to, to appreciate what God has given you. I'm not saying to walk around with your head down and every time something good happens, say, oh, I'm going to just keep walking like Eeyore and depressed. But you got to give God the glory because He's the one that's accomplishing the success. And if your joy is proceeding from your own accomplishments, then it's a joy that proceeds out of pride. If your joy proceeds from the benefit of others, and you're glad that others benefited, you don't care what you've done or what you haven't done. You don't care how your productivity was. All you care about is others benefiting. And that's true humility, the servant that doesn't care about his reputation. All he cares about is others really benefiting. He doesn't care about what others think about him. That's real humility. Not, not really seeking the glory. And if others benefit, even if he's in the shadows, even if he's in the dark, he's celebrating. Because that humility is what's directing his mind to God receiving the glory and his brothers and sisters benefiting. Um, my wife's not here, so I'm going to mention something about her. But in our path, we share this sort of dynamic. So I'm out, I'm out here, preaching, praying the liturgies, serving. I'm in the spotlight, so people might think, oh, Abuna is doing this and this and this and this. And they thank Abuna and they uh, express all their gratitude to Abuna. So Abuna gets all the glory. But what a lot of people don't see that's happening behind the scenes is that there is like a strong support and there's someone in, in the shadow serving, but they're not on the spotlight. They're not on a pedestal getting the glory. And what I love is I can always come back home and she's rejoicing at, at whatever I've done or whatever happens in the service. Not because people recognize what she does, but because others are benefiting. And so, if we share that sort of mindset where we just celebrate at the achievements of others, nothing will rob us from our joy. It is our pride that truly robs us from our joy. Whenever we're looking for validation, whenever we're looking for someone to recognize us, and it's a natural part of our struggle is to look for validation. But if we step outside of our own selves and say, this isn't about me, then I truly rejoice at the benefits of others. And this is what St. 
St. John says in, in the third epistle of John, he says that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than this. I can be sick or not, healthy or not. I can get the glory or not. All I care about is that my children are walking in the truth. And we can even move past this and think about where our joy would be if we don't see the fruits of our service. Think about a day where you're serving and you don't see your children walking in the truth. You don't see the fruit of your labors. Will your joy disappear? Father Matthew Poor says, Joy in ministry is lost when a person develops an excessive concern with results. And trust me, in our society we're always concerned with results. You know, you can't go to your job and say, Boss, I tried really, really hard. I just didn't meet the quota to finish all of these papers. You know, you can't go to the teacher that graded your paper and gave you a C and say, but I studied a lot. I should get an A, even though I marked all the wrong answers. The results are whether you mark the right or wrong answers. That's what matters. In this world, what matters is results. And so sometimes that sort of mindset translates into our spiritual work and the servant walks that path of service concerned with results. He says, joy in ministry is lost when a person develops an excessive concern with the results. Why? Well, when, when the servant experiences joy in times of success, then he's elevated. But what happens when he doesn't see the fruit of his labor? Then he's depressed. So, during St. Paul's service, he did so much and sometimes saw nothing happen. He saw fruits for his work and sometimes he saw absolutely nothing. He says, I planted, Apollo's watered, but God gave the increase. So all I'm doing is just planting. Sometimes I don't see the fruit of my labor. And if you have ever walked into like a Sunday school where a teacher is serving some of the younger kids, you will typically find no fruit in your labor. <laughs> Almost every Sunday school teacher will walk out saying, like, what the heck was that for the last half hour? The kids are just rambunctious. They're all over the place. What am I serving for? You know, a lot of times we serve, we don't see that we are really benefiting others. But the humble servant is still rejoicing because all he's doing is planting seeds. That, that crop may grow tomorrow. It may grow in a year from now. It may grow... A hundred years from now. You know, a lot of times we hear something from a servant, a message that doesn't really do much, but then a few days later we hear that same message from someone else, but in a different way and it really resonates. The first person might have walked away thinking that everything that he told you, whatever encouragement or time that he tried to offer you, was useless. And so if he's, if he's really concerned about the results for what he has done in serving you, he's going to walk away in despair. But if he's so caught up in what he can do, and he's so caught up in, his, in the results of his service, then that pride will blind him from just leaving everything in God's hands. 
And that's what a servant has to do in his humility. He just plants seeds. Saying, God, all I can do is serve faithfully. All I can do is just offer my heart, my time, and my energy to the service. And if I see the fruit of my labors, that's a great blessing and that's a grace from you. But if I don't, that will never rob me from my joy because it's all about what you do, not about what I do. So I'll leave you with this quote by St. Joseph Marie. If you're ever going through a rough time and your soul is filled with uneasiness, it's because you are thinking too much about yourself. My son, if you center everything around yourself, not only are you going down the wrong path, but you'll also lose the Christian happiness you should have in this earthly life. If we really focus on what we do and the results of our work, we're going to be filled with so much anxieties. We're going to be so caught up in the results. But the humble servant has joy in knowing that the service is God's work. The humble servant is like a farmer going to a vineyard and he just plants and he's just waiting depending on the rain. If the rain comes, it comes. If it doesn't come, that doesn't make him a bad farmer. But if he sowed those seeds faithfully, then he walks back home rejoicing in his work, rejoicing in that God will give the crops on his terms. The servant that serves on his own terms doesn't have real joy. The servant that serves with humility and just depends on God, producing the fruit on God's own terms, always walks away joyful. So I pray we always start anything we're doing with humility, we end everything we're doing with humility, that the service may be the glorification of God, unto whom is due glory forever and ever. Amen.